I love this series that we are in. And as we were kind of wrapping our minds around it, Pastor Todd shared with me an article out of a scientific journal that really intrigued me. And so I was interested. It asked the question, what is it that regular people talk about the most? If we were to analyze our conversation, what topic more than any other topic do we talk about? So Todd asked me the question and I tried to guess. And I said, well, is it maybe the weather? Is it sports? If you're from North Louisiana, food would be up there. Uh, Is it our children or our grandchildren? I kept trying to guess. I did not get it right. Todd, did you? I don't know that you got it right either. Neither of us did. The thing that people talk about the most is themselves. The researchers discovered that about 60% of the regular person's conversation talks about themselves. And that jumps to 80% when you get on social media. And it was interesting, those that were looking at the data came to a fascinating conclusion that really was intriguing to me. This is what they wrote. Why in a world full of ideas to discover, develop, and discuss, do people spend the majority of their time talking about themselves? Recent research suggests a simple explanation, because it feels good. So I don't know about that, but it raised another question for us. What is it that Jesus talked the most about? And the answer is pretty simple, pretty clear. It's the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is all around you. In fact, the kingdom of God is within you. When you read his words in the gospel, over a hundred times, Jesus mentions the phrase, the kingdom of God in the four gospels something very important to Jesus. So it needs to be something very important to us. So that's why I love this series we're in called Realm. You'll see that word on our bulletin and all around. That word is a synonym for the kingdom of God or the reign of God. And notice how Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God. He does it most often by telling a parable. Remember what a parable is? It is a short story with a point that we can gain, but it's full of information. Parables are sticky. From the youngest of child to the oldest of people, we can grab a hold of it. We can see the lessons. The parables are chock full of meaning for us to learn. In fact, some people who study literature have said of all the writings of the world, Jesus' parables are the most brilliant ever written. And I don't disagree with that. So to Jesus, if we're gonna live the Christian faith, we're gonna have to come to grips with the kingdom of God. Now notice, so often when we think of kingdom of God, we think what's gonna happen when we go to heaven, when the kingdom will be complete, of course, that's a part of it, or when Christ returns to earth and evil is banished, all there will be will be the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, you don't have to wait until that time because when he came, he brought the kingdom of God with him. The kingdom of God is all around us. In fact, I submit to us, when Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, we are given a new eyesight, a new sense of hearing so that we can experience and bear witness to the kingdom that is all around us, the kingdom of God within us. But here's the challenge. Yes, the kingdom of God is all around us, but we also live in the kingdom of this world. And the two crash and conflict and buy for our attention. 
So how do we deal with the fact that we live in these two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God at the same time? It's interesting, every generation of Christian tries to sort this out. About 1600 years ago, there was a church father named St. Augustine of Hippo who tried to figure this out for people in his day. And he used an image they knew from the Roman Empire to try to describe the two kingdoms. He called it the city of man and the city of God, and that you live in both at the same time. And St. Augustine basically said this, we as Christians have a dual citizenship. We live in both of those cities, both of those kingdoms at the same time. But then Augustine said, Christians are like resident aliens on this earth, in that this is not our home. We're bound for heaven. We're just passing through. And yet the truth is those two kingdoms collide. They vie for our attention. So how do we manage living in the midst of these two kingdoms at the same time as followers of Jesus Christ? So I want to think about it in a modern term. And Todd, I've been rolling out an image I hope that works for us. And we'll see if it helps. Think about when we travel out of the country what do we have? A passport that shows the country that we're a citizen of, USA or Great Britain or whatever our country may be, that is our passport. And when we travel to other places, what do they do? They stamp it. Well, I submit to you, all of us have a passport that says the kingdom of this earth. And we are constantly putting stamps in that passport as we live with the details of the kingdom. Think about it, just the details of life. When we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the grocery store, when we just keep up our housing. Somebody backed over our mailbox a few weeks ago. So getting that repaired is just, we put a stamp in the kingdom of this world. When we go to the doctor, when we go to the dentist, when we have to change our oil, all the minutia of our lives, we put stamps in our kingdom of this world passport. And we are so busy doing that. It can almost consume all of our time. We understand that passport, the kingdom of this world, all of those things we do in life, living in this world. But as Christians, we also get a second passport that's the kingdom of God passport. And we put stamps in that whenever we experience the kingdom. Think about it. When we experience amazing love and we feel God in that moment, we're putting a stamp in the kingdom of God passport when we come to worship and we just experience God like in this beautiful anthem or in, in a prayer or when we serve or when the Holy Spirit nudges us, we're stamping moments in our kingdom of God passport. When we go out in nature and see the beauty all around us and in that beauty we see the hand of God, we're stamping our kingdom of God passport. When you hold a little baby, and you just feel God in that moment, we're stamping the kingdom of God passport. I think we constantly need to do that. But here's the challenge for me, and I may be the only one in the room, but it's too easy to spend too much time with the kingdom of the world passport that we don't spend enough time putting entries in our kingdom of God passport. And you know how we know that happens? When we're rushed and we're stressed and we're busy and we're anxious and we're tired and we feel like we can't hold it all together, what that means is we're putting too many entries in that kingdom of earth passport and not enough in the kingdom of God passport that's gonna give us a different spirit. 
And Jesus knew how hard it would be for us. And so that's why he teaches us all of these parables of the kingdom to remind us how to live and what the kingdom is all about. So over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're gonna be talking about in this series. There are a bunch of the kingdom parables in Matthew chapter 13. We're gonna lift three of them up to guide our thinking. So we're gonna deal with our first one. If you have your Bibles, let's turn now to Matthew chapter 13 and we're gonna look at verses 31 through 32. Matthew 13, verses 31 through 32. Hear the word of the Lord. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Right out of the gate, Jesus uses an illustration, the mustard seed. And literally, you may have seen, some people have made these into jewelry. You'll see them around. They are a tiny little seed, almost like a speck of dust. You can hardly see it. Yet out of this tiny little seed, and it falls into the earth very quickly, um, almost a giant shrub will grow up that'll reach nine or 10 feet. So Jesus is saying from the smallest of beginnings, God can grow something big and substantial in our lives. Now, when we read a parable like this, we need to approach it from a kingdom of God perspective. We need to know this is not an agricultural lesson to teach us how to grow mustard shrubs. Instead, we ought to ask, what is Jesus teaching us about the kingdom of heaven? What is Jesus teaching us about the life of faith, how we are called to follow him in our lives and live in the midst of the kingdom? And I think we get a beautiful answer in one of our beloved hymns. Actually, it's called the Hymn of Promise. Uh, It was written in 1986 by a lady named Natalie Sleeth. And in this beautiful hymn, I think she comes to grips with the meaning of this passage, this parable in a beautiful way. Remember what Natalie wrote? In the bulb, there's a flower. In the seed, an apple tree. In cocoons, a hidden promise. Butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be. Unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. It's, um, it's something, only, something only God sees. The, the results, the, the end game, the big picture. Only God sees it. But you and me, we've, we've got a responsibility too. We've got a responsibility to play our, our small picture part. To take, this little, to take this little chunk of creation, this little, this little humlet, this, this, this humble, humble little, little hamlet uh, of the realm, and to do what we can to take, to take each and every day, to take each and every moment, each and every conversation, and to do what we can to, to sow little mustard seeds all, all along the way. And it got me to thinking, it got me to wondering, why did Jesus use a mustard seed? Why did Jesus use the metaphor of the mustard seed? When all the prophets who had come before Jesus, 
When they had spoken about the kingdom, they had painted the kingdom in in these really majestic terms. When all the the prophets who had come before Jesus, when they had talked about the kingdom in in terms of of, of a towering cedar, of, of a stately oak, why did Jesus use a mustard seed? Why did Jesus talk about a mustard seed, the seed that even whenever it's full grown, it produces a tree, it produces this shrub, the shrub that's only like nine or 10 feet tall. Why, why did Jesus talk about a mustard seed? Well, I think he did so partly because you know, mustards, even, even though they're not all high and mighty, mustards, mustard trees have a, have a generational power. Mustards have, have, have the power of numbers. They regenerate themselves time and time, over and over and over again, and they do it quickly. They do it quick, and, and mustards, you know, they're not the prettiest thing to look at. I mean, they're not particularly attractive. We're not gonna go out and probably plant some mustard trees in, 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 in our gardens. But mustards are hardy. They can fill field after field after field. They can survive pretty much anywhere. They can endure pretty much any climate. That's, that's why Jesus used them. That's why Jesus chose them. Because they are the, they are the very picture of the kingdom of God. Where the littlest of seeds spreads and grows and stretches and, and thrives to produce this, this tree, this tree that, that offers refuge. This tree that offers nurture. This tree that offers a, a sense of home to these birds. It was a sense of home. It was a place of safety and belonging and well-being. You see the realm, the, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an, an upside-down kingdom. It's that, it's that place where the last become first. The kingdom is, is the place where the weak become strong. It's that place where small becomes big. That's the kingdom. It's the, it's the place where just a, a handful of flour outlasts a famine. It's a place where a fallen woman's oil anoints a perfect king. It's the kingdom. It's the place where a, where a little boy's lunch, just, just a handful of bread and fish. It's the place where a little boy's meager lunch goes on to feed the thousands. It's, it's an upside down kingdom. And we got a glimpse of it. We, we, we saw a picture of the kingdom just last week. I don't know if you saw it, but on the news, on the local news, there was this story and it was a story that was so good that all the, the national outlets ended up picking it up. Um, the, the story was that, that on Tuesday, when all the weather started to blow in, whenever all the ice started to, to fall, it really made travel just murder around here. I'm not telling y'all anything you don't already know, but it was particularly bad. It was really bad on the interstate, especially down on I-20. The truckers down on I-20, they were just having a miserable time. Their semis couldn't get any traction. They were just slip sliding everywhere and they ended up just getting stuck. But there was a... This group, this group of Jeep enthusiasts, these, these local Jeep enthusiasts down in kind of the, the mid cities. And one of, their, one of their leaders was watching all of this go down on TV. 
He was watching all this stuff happening on I-20. He said he was sitting in the, the warmth and comfort of his living room, watching everything happen. And he said he saw these pictures and he thought, hey, maybe we can help. And so he sent out, he sent out a message to all the members of the group. And he said, hey guys, let's not stay home. Let's do something. And I love the way he, he ended the message. He said, we're pulling semis. And y'all, that's exactly what they did. Little old Jeeps. I mean, little by comparison to the, to the sheer tonnage of a semi, little old Jeeps, three or four Jeeps daisy-chained together per rig, little old Jeeps working together, they moved that mess. It's an upside-down kingdom where little becomes big, and we are invited to to know that truth for ourselves. We're invited to experience that truth for, our, for ourselves because it takes, it takes a strange sort of courage. It takes an odd sort of courage to, to be small in a world of big, doesn't it? It takes an odd sort of courage to be small in a world of big, in a world of, of big personalities, in a world of big money, in the world of big messes. It takes a a whole lot of courage to be small, a lot of courage to offer what little we might have to to share. It it takes an awful lot of courage. It it takes an awful lot of courage to be guppies in a world full of puffer fish. It takes courage and it takes strength and it takes heart and it takes faith, but that's That's the way of the kingdom because in the kingdom, it's the little things, it's the small things that matter. Small, small steps of faith, small acts of courage, small acts of hope, small words, small words of of encouragement, small words of of hope, small, small words of thanks. Just sheer, simple gratitude. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the realm just saying thank you. And if you don't believe me, just try it out for yourself. In fact, I dare you, I dare us, I dare all of us this week with the, with the very first email that we send every day, our very first email, every day, our very first text. Instead of hopping on to business with our very first text, with our very first email, just send someone a quick thank you. With the very first text, with the very first email, just send someone and tell them, tell them why you thank God for putting them in your life and just see what sort of a difference it makes. Because that's the way the kingdom grows. It's the little things. That's the way the kingdom grows. When we will finally get that God's math never adds up. That's the way the kingdom grows. When we will be faithful to do the little things, trusting that God will use them to do the big things. It's an upside down kingdom. And it's an inside out kingdom. Um, We get it wrong. We we get it wrong if we think that that Christianity, we get it wrong if we think that religion is only meant to, to change our behavior. We get it wrong. We get it wrong if we think that that faith is just meant to to change the outside of us, all the stuff that the world can can see. We get it wrong because nope, that's not the way it goes. All that stuff, it's just supposed to be the byproduct. What faith, what religion, what Christianity, what Jesus is really trying to do, Jesus is trying to, to change our insides, our heart 
and our mind and, and our soul, all that spiritual DNA that we just spent a month talking about. Jesus wants to, to change our insides. He wants to change our beliefs. He wants to change our beliefs, all those things that then lead to our behavior. He wants to change our insides. And we see that truth, we see that teaching all throughout the Gospels. But it's not just there. I mean, even way back in the book of 1 Samuel, we, we read this. 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells us that the Lord doesn't see as mortals see. The Lord doesn't see as we see. We look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God looks on our heart. God looks on the inside. And I'll tell you, there, there are times when that scares me. There are times when that scares me because there are times when with all of my good Christian training, with all of my good Christian upbringing, there are times when, when all that stuff, it, just, it, it tells me how to act. And all that training, it tells me what, what to do. But deep down on the inside, there's not a lick of goodness behind it. There's not a lick of God honoring goodness behind all that stuff. The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I know I'm supposed to be doing it. And I'm not going to tell you that God can't or that God won't use that sort of, that sort of arbitrary obedience. Because God can do whatever God wants to do. But I can say it's not what God wants from us. I can't say that it's not what God wants for us. Because God wants, God wants to change us on the inside. Because that's the way the kingdom grows too, from the inside out. And I bet a lot of us experienced that last week too, as a, a snow day rolled into yet another snow day, and as the walls of our houses slowly began to close in, because uh, I don't care how big your house is, after four days of being iced in together, there ain't a house that's big enough. Um, <laughs> And, and I think, I think for, for, for Carrie and me, I think we made it to, to day three. I think by, by day three, things started to get a little spicy around the old renter house. Um, by day three, how long did y'all make it? Two. Two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, by day three or two, uh, uh, the saints among us, we made it all the way through four. But by, by, by day three for, for us, for Carrie and me, um, I think we hit that threshold. I think we hit that place where we had just maybe a little too much familiarity. I think by day three, Carrie, I think by day three, I, honestly, I think I was getting on Carrie's nerves. In fact, I know by day three, I was getting on Carrie's nerves. I know that by day three, she was ready for me to take my, my unsolicited helpfulness, unsolicited helpfulness, and to, and to, to get back to the office. Uh, you see, it's there. There were all of my polish, there were all of my niceness, there were all of that training when it starts to fade away. It's there when everything that's on the inside of me that I know to hide, it's there when all that stuff starts to come out. That's where God starts to do his, his holy and redemptive work. And folks, that doesn't make us bad Christians. It, it just makes us human Christians. Mustard seed. Christians, mustard seed Christians that God can use, mustard seed Christians that God wants to use to, to bring about life-changing, world-changing things, things like hope and healing, things like mercy, 
and miracles. Mustard seed Christians, not, not mean old thistle Christians that, that poke and jab and bite. Mustard seed Christians, not dandelion Christians that, that, that blow away with the first breezes of a storm. Mustard seed Christians. Mustard seed Christians who know, who, who trust that the biggest things come from the smallest things. Mustard seed Christians. Mustard seed Christians who, who also get that none of that stuff just happens by accident. It doesn't happen by itself. Mustard seed Christians understand what verse 31 was talking about. They know that, they know that, that growth just doesn't happen. They know that the seed only grows when someone will take it and sow it. So let's take what's ours to take. And let's sow, let's plant what's ours to plant. Like those stalwart, stalwart Jeep people, let, let's not stay at home. Let's do something. Though we might not be able to do everything, let's do something. I mean, they, they just cleared a road. But friends, we're gonna claim the realm. One, one little mustard seed at a time. All in and for the mighty name of Jesus. As we pray. God, um, this morning we, we come to you humbly, maybe even a little nervously, asking you for, for the courage, for the courage to, to say this and mean it. God, we pray, come to us and turn us upside down and turn us inside out. Lord, make us mustard seed Christians because for too long we have spent too much time, for too long we have wasted too much time in the city of man. God, and we want to be in, in your kingdom, inhabitants, full-time inhabitants of the kingdom of God. So Lord, we pray, come to us and, and change us and give us that boldness. Give us that, that odd sort of courage, Lord, that even in our smallness, you are up to something great. Lord, we pray that that you would give us that, that courage to take that, that next step of faith. Or for those of us, Lord, who maybe have never taken that first step, Lord, I pray that even now that you would make yourself so undeniably known that, that God, we would be emboldened to do so. God, that we would follow after you. And if, Lord, God, if this is what you spent your life talking about, Lord, let it be what we spend our lifetime talking about too your goodness and redemption and mercy and love, Lord, your grace that calls us not to this table, that, that, that calls us beyond. Lord, come to us and find us wherever we are. Find us, Lord, and change us and use us. For we pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.